How to dream, cowboys. Hello, who's there? It's the HBO boys. <laughs> We're talking again about <laughs> Barry season one. We're going to watch the you whole just... show. because. <laughs> uh, wait, stop. You just, you sound I like. I got to finish this. Like... No, you just sound like you popped out of the hallway as somebody was entering the front door of your house. Like, oh, hello. <laughs> Keep going, Barry talking. We're going to watch uh, both seasons in preparation for a third planned but not yet release date announced Barry season three. And we are talking today about the penultimate episode of season one, episode seven, loud, fast, and keep going, which, you know, that's that's what she said. <laughs> Written by Alec Berg and directed by Liz Samoff. Yeah. Definitely Sarnoff, but I will give you 50% oh. credit. Sarnoff. Sarnoff, Sarnoff the Hardbarg. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just wrap it up. I think this podcast is over. I think we're 160 <laughs> episodes in and this is where it ends. Uh, loud, fast, and keep going. Another Gene Kusno line and... I did not know going into this episode, I didn't know while watching this episode that it was the penultimate episode. I didn't know that there were eight episodes in the first season. I learned that afterwards, and it makes a lot more sense when you get to the end. I'm annoyed that HBO is trying to push the eight-episode season on us, all right? Ten episodes is good, okay? I don't know, it's like... D&D came up with this eight-episode idea because they were too lazy to finish Game of Thrones properly, and HBO was like, you know what? Now you set the precedent. Eight eight episodes for everything. One moment. I want to know something before the next thing that I Are you looking up if Game of Thrones Season 8 happened before Barry Season 1? Because no, it didn't. So the accusation that I just made probably doesn't make sense, but that's fine. No! What I was looking up was how many episodes were in season two. Like, I was wondering if they just gave them eight episodes because they didn't believe in them, right? And they didn't mm-hmm. want to give them as much money as ten episodes requires. And they were like, you know what? Now you've made a good show, a show that is getting great numbers. Here is more episodes for season two. And that is not the case. Season two was also eight episodes. Womp womp. Right. Well, maybe Berg and Hater only thought it needed eight episodes. Yeah. Perhaps. And we don't know how many episodes are going to be in season three. Again, it is a wandering release date as to when that's going to happen. We will see if Barry keeps being the flagship show that it was in season two. At least the most watched show on HBO or HBO Max at the time and uh, when it comes back out. But yeah, this episode was a goddamn banger. This episode was like devastating, man. I I, I had made a comment in our in like at a certain point in the WandaVision show, like, it's not cute anymore. It's too dark. Barry's not cute anymore. The show and the character. <laughs> no. But this episode of Barry made WandaVision, in retrospect, worse for me. Like, mm. be- because of how big the swing was in this penultimate episode and how big the swing the MCU will never take. Like, it was just like, oh. Like, it... WandaVision, a show I very much enjoyed, was made worse by this episode. Let's talk about it. So we see the resolution of the cliffhanger of episode six, where, well, actually, we see the, the setup from the Bolivians' perspective. It was so good. They're sitting there, and the, the plane has landed. They're waiting for that to kind of finish up when they hear first, completely signposted to them, the loud death metal coming from the yeah. SUV. They then see the SUV way off in the distance. They have plenty of time to just kind of, you know, look at each other like, well, I get, I guess we shoot, right? Like <laughs> when it was from the other side, you felt like they were 
driving headfirst into a mob of Bolivians who are all just there now and ready and raring to go. And then when you turn it around and look from the other direction, it's just like three guys looking at a suburban coming at them full speed being like, what are they doing? I just shoot them. This is dumb. We then see the Bolivian crime leader whose name is Cristobal. He's a little bit surprised that like they're already killing people on the tarmac. And he sends his, like, I think maybe his, like, head enforcer over to investigate the SUV. We get the news here that Taylor and his friend, who just from the last episode, I don't think we've ever met him before, uh, they're both dead. We have. He came to the party where Barry was mean okay. to Sally about Pinocchio. That's Vaughn. Him and Taylor are D.E.D. dead. Cristobal Cifuentes, what I, I'm giving him the episode and perhaps the entire season best name award he has it and leaving on a jet plane by the way was playing which is just like bringing back memories of the 1998 masterpiece armageddon for me and the bodyguard is sent over and he sees a trail of blood and he follows it to where barry is hiding and this guy is just about to pop a fucking cap in barry barry's hiding pretty well but then he starts getting calls and texts from sally being like why aren't you at audition I need you to say the one line for my monologue. How did he not silence his phone? Also, like, can can Gene not just say the line from the audience when they're in rehearsal? Like, no, it's just one line. No, you don't. You don't understand the authenticity of an actor's process, James. Okay, it is sacred. It is a sacred ritual that you cannot change on the day, James. You're not taking an actor's process seriously. That's where I choke on my own fucking foot. So he gets, he finds Barry and Barry's unarmed and the head enforcer is about to call in the rest of the goons, which means they'll probably get tortured to death. And Chris has the Bushmaster from Taylor's friend and he's able to save Barry's life and, and kill the enforcer. And then they escape on the mob enforcer's dirt bike. And Chris is extremely emotionally cut up about this because even though he was in the Marines, he did not have a combat role. And this is the first time that he's killed someone. He was not going to, even with the enforcer pointing a gun at Barry, he was not going to shoot. Barry, over and over again, yelled at Chris, who's behind the enforcer, who is not turned around once to see Chris, uh, which is not, I couldn't understand that, but... Uh, he he might not speak English. And Barry is shouting at Chris to shoot him. And he's like, if he calls the rest of them, we're dead. So yeah, Chris eventually does it. And again, and like you said, he is very torn up about it. Should have gotten out of the car, Bob. Christabel calls Gorin. And, and we have a fantastic scene here. First thing we get is that he was actually impressed by the bullet in the mail. Which means that like Noho Hank was actually on the ball with that plan. Yep. <laughs> and... Barry was wrong. He thought it was some old school bullshit, but nope. Gorin got some respect for the for the bullet in the DHL plan, which is a bummer because everything he did after that now seems like a mistake because Cristobal seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, and he asks Gorin, like, why didn't you just communicate with me on this? I could have cut you in on the good deal that I had going. And Gorin 
pretty much apologizes. He's like, oh, I was told I had to go to all-out war with you because you couldn't be reasoned with. And <laughs> Christopher's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm actually really reasonable. You know, I've been reading this self... He, he name drops this self-help book that he really wants Gorin to read. And Gorin very quickly, like, puts the phone down and says to Noah Hank, like, yeah, we got to kill Fuchs. He gave us bad advice. Uh-huh. The advice that he gave him was to just, like, keep them around. And it hasn't worked out because now, as Cristobal has said, it is war because Gorin has already started it. And, he, you know, he's mostly talking about the self-help book. But other than that, Cristobal wants to, you know, kill Gorin and all the other Chechnians, which is just a super bad time for them. Very bad news. Christabel also lets him know that the two assassins he sent to the tarmac are dead, which is a surprise to Gorin, because he thought it was just Barry. But now uh, Gorin has the misconception that Barry must be dead. And we also find out that the police have tapped Gorin's phones and are listening to this entire conversation. There's a great line where he's like, yeah, after that, they stop talking about crimes and they just talk about self-help books for, for 45 minutes. If, if you're interested in that, you can check it out in the transcript. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on the phone call, they do mention Marines. Moss knows that Barry is a Marine, so she takes his picture down and goes over to a computer, tries to look up if he has a Facebook or not, and he doesn't, which is weird. He's off the grid. Well, well, no, Barry doesn't have one, but his actor name, Barry Block, does have one, right? Yes, but she hasn't found that one yet. Right. Barry goes to his rehearsal for the Shakespeare thing. He's really stressed out. He hears two of the other students saying, yeah, there's no way the money that they found would have been Ryan's. Ryan was broke as shit. And obviously he can feel like the walls are closing in on him somewhat. And so when he goes out on stage to deliver his one line, my lord, the queen is dead. He's just like, my lord, the queen is dead. He basically yells it again. He screams it. Yeah. <laughs> my lord, the queen is dead. <laughs> and Kusno takes him aside and is like, Barry, are you on drugs? Listen, getting clean is an important part of an actor's journey. And he tells a story to Barry about a few cokeheads and him doing a three-hour play in 30 minutes. And Barry's like, no, no, I'm, I'm not on drugs. And Gene's like, well, that's terrible news because it just means you're bad at this and you look like shit. This is where the episode, like, really takes a turn. Well, first off, Fuchs now gets bad information from Noho Hank that Barry is dead. Noho Hank, because he is just such a bro, stays on the phone with Fuchs while he deals with it and talks him through it. And then, you know, at the end of the conversation, Fuchs is like, so where where are we? Like, where's our relationship and all this? And Fuchs is like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I feel bad about you and for Barry. And now that Barry's dead, I was getting Bobka this morning. And I was thinking like, oh, God, that guy looks like Barry. But it's not because Barry's dead. But anyway, uh, you know, it doesn't matter where you go. We will find you and kill you. Uh, this is a bummer. But also on the other side of town, the detectives ID Taylor and Vaughn. They find Ryan's acting book and a block of money at Taylor's apartment. Right. So they decide so that now Taylor's their Taylor guy. is totally going to take the fall. Yeah, he's going to take the fall for all of Barry's crimes. Yep, just clap your hands a few times, walk away, Scott clean. Right, and now Fuchs thinks Barry is dead, so hey, Barry, you can just take your large amount of money and leave LA and leave Fuchs and acting and the mob behind you and just totally start a new life. Everyone thinks you are either dead or innocent, 
just get out of there. But no, it's like Chad said last episode, there are other acting classes. Like, yes. The problem with all of that, James, is that Barry does not have that information. He is right. operating under a different context. So then he and Chris meet up uh, a few blocks away from Chris's house, it seems to be, in a secluded part of the neighborhood. And Chris lays it all out. He says, I've never killed anyone before. I have a family and a job and kids I need to think about. I cannot be involved in an ongoing crime. As far as I'm concerned, what we did was in self-defense. I want to turn ourselves in to the police. And Barry is the really the heartless one here. He's like, no, you can't do that because I'm an assassin. I'll go to jail. And then, by the way, if my employers, the Chechenian mob, find out that you're involved and if you send me down the river and any of them get sent down the river, uh, you and your family are going to be killed. Which you can describe as heartless. You can also describe as, like, the truth, but through the lens of Barry not wanting to get caught. Like, this... Finish the scene. Finish the scene so we can talk about it. Well, I'll tell you what I would say in Barry's shoes. I would be like, you know what, Chris? You are absolutely right. You are more or less innocent in this situation. The circumstances were such that you got pulled into a really bad place. And actually, now that I reflect on it, I'm a bad person. And I've done many bad things. I should probably pay for my crimes and give up my violent ways. And so I will make sure that when I testify... Uh, against myself in my own trial i'll do it in a light that uh exonerates you chris thank you for saving my life sorry i got you involved in this uh i will make sure you don't go to jail wait no sorry can i need to turn up my headphones and have you say that all again so i can just like really clearly hear all the bullshit lies you're saying uh look around <laughs> you james is like uh, is your microphone a candy cane huh <laughs> is the fucking door made out of sugar plums Okay, we don't live in a fantasy world where you just be like, you know what? You're right. I give up. I've been a hitman for a while now, and it's over. You're right. Like, uh, again, I have a lot to say about this scene, but you have to finish it first. Chris reacts to what ev everything Barry just laid out with. Well, sure, that might all be true. But listen, like, I can't keep this up forever. My wife is already suspicious. I told her I was going to the gym just now. She didn't believe me. She didn't believe uh, when I said I was hanging out with my friends this morning when the shooting happened. Like, eventually the truth will out, no matter how well I, I try to hide it. And that sets Barry off. He's like, why did you have to say that? And, and Chris immediately understands the implication, tries to backtrack. Oh, no, I didn't say I was going to the gym, by the way. I definitely told my wife I was going to be in a car with you. Right. I did not just confess to you that no one knows where I am right now. Yeah, no one knows where I am. And also, I can't keep a secret. And so Barry fucking shoots him in the face. And I was so disappointed in Barry here. I was like, Barry, stop killing. It doesn't make you happy. You don't want to do it. So just stop doing it. This is the scene that makes the whole show. This is the scene that makes the whole season. Like, it, it, because it opens up a facet of Barry that he's been lying to himself about the entire time, and you've been hopeful will change, and you'll, we're hopeful that what it wasn't him, but it was him all along. Like, a, a delusion that the audience, I think, especially me, had about Barry was shattered in that moment. He is willing to do anything to anybody. 
He is at his core irredeemable and delusional. He thinks the world needs to treat him better and he thinks the world owes him something and he wants to move on. But if the world does not work out the way he wants it to work out, he will gladly shoot the world in the face. Bill Hader's line read of why did you just say that is so fucking good. He he screams it the second time, but he's basically almost silent on it the first time as he realizes what he has to do or what he believes he has to do. So Barry did everything in his power to save Taylor's life. Yes. Because the in bad his mind, version. there was a possibility that he could get out of the Taylor situation without Taylor being a huge liability. In this position, Chris more or less backed him into a corner and and apparently in, in other than the situation that I laid out where you just come clean and don't kill your friend, Barry thought that the only option was to kill his friend uh, in order to preserve himself. Yes. So we see here that, you know, the life of his close friend who has a wife and a young child less important to Barry than maintaining his own freedom. And I don't know what, like going to acting class and doing a bad job. Like that's that's important enough to Barry to kill his friend. Barry chose not to kill what at the time he thought was like the bad version of him, like the bad version of his life, because he's a Marine and his moral code had to there had to be a line in the sand somewhere. But because he didn't kill Taylor, you can draw a direct line from that to him having to kill the quote-unquote good version of himself, the version with a family, the version with a life, the version who doesn't kill yeah, people. Chris is who Barry wants to be. Yeah. And, more or less. And because he didn't kill Taylor for whatever reason you want to give him, like if he didn't have the balls to do it or if he just like was not assertive enough to do what had to be done in a situation that I think was a lot more clear-cut than him and Chris in the car at the end then maybe Chris would be alive. But the reason Chris died is, again, because of Barry's inability to be assertive. He kept saying, lay low, be safe, be cool. If he start to, That's what he was saying to Chris. If he started the conversation with, if you tell anyone, I'll kill you, perhaps Chris would have been like, all right, you're a hitman, and I'm in the car with you, and no one knows where I am. Got it. But also... Maybe Barry's strategy is a better one. Even if he threatened Chris at the beginning of the conversation, perhaps due to his feelings and what he just said about how he's feeling uneasy about all of it and his his wife is suspicious, he would go to the cops anyway and he would just lie to Barry. Right. Yeah, he would lie to Barry and then he would go to the cops to say, there's a hitman after me. Yeah, it put me in when it, I need to be witness protection. So does my family. The uh, Chechenian mob the Bolivian mob and a hitman trying to kill all of them and not die himself. They're all trying to kill me. Please send me to Iowa. (laughs) What if he went to Cleveland? He lived in Barry's old apartment. Barry goes immediately from shooting his friend in the face to the opening of the Shakespeare acting class exhibition that they've got going on over at the auditorium. And I got to say, like, I I haven't read it since school. I enjoy reading the Shakespeare plays. If, like, you know, the version that I had in school, like, they had the Victorian English, and then on the right side of the page, they had, like, what it meant. And so I couldn't kind of enjoy it in that way. I have never enjoyed seeing Shakespeare put no. on stage. No, it sounds goofy <laughs> as fuck. You know, especially if it's, like, not professionals. Like, um, here's something. When I was in college... 
James Earl Jones, who aside from being Mufasa and Darth Vader is also like a Shakespearean actor, came and did like a reading of a Shakespeare monologue. And it was really awesome. But it's because James Earl Jones is a pro. Yeah. Right? I would not want to see rank amateurs reading Shakespeare. No, James Earl Jones could read the ingredients on a cereal box, and I would pay $40 just to see that, for Mufasa to tell me how many grams of sugar are in cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I'm there for that. But yeah, if you are a 23-year-old who's taken three years of improv and are really just trying to break into the actual acting scene, I don't give a fuck what your interpretation of Hamlet is. It's an important night for Sally, though, because a talent agent whom she has always wanted to work with will be in the audience and so she is very nervous and panicking and she needs barry to come through and she's explaining this to barry who is his mind is just not there he's thinking about chris Fucking obviously like, sorry yeah. what what are, what are, what are the stakes for you uh i have other shit going on i killed somebody <laughs> today i've killed a whole lot of people sally actually says to him and i quote he was emma stone's agent before she got too big and she fired him so like i you know i need this to go well because i need him to be my agent in the first place let alone eventually have to fire him she's so in her own head and it's just barry is so on the other side of like the amount of just like guilt the secrets are piling up the bodies are piling up how am i here saying a line at a theater show right now she goes on she does quite a good job and then when it's barry's cue he's like still he's like freak he's imagining what it's going to be like for chris's family dealing with his death and he's freaking out and and he comes out on stage and completely with his heart torn to pieces delivers the line my lord the queen is dead with such authentic emotion because it's not acting it's just authentic emotion it's just him having a nervous fucking breakdown. It has an effect on Sally, and it improves her performance as well. It impresses the audience. It gets the agent looking up from his phone at, at the monologue that Sally is giving. And it ends up in a, a quite a successful scene, which is the end of the exhibition as well. Afterwards, Barry is in one of the green rooms, and uh, Gene comes by and he's like, listen, man, I, I I hadn't seen you really do this before. I think you really found the an interesting place to go with this performance. And Barry not listening to him is just smashing up the room. <laughs> yeah. Gene's yeah. like, okay, I, I can see you're still there. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> you're deep. You're deep in it. I'm going to leave this room. You're destroying things and you're bleeding from your hands. <laughs> like in Gene's mind, it's like, wow. Barry got so into that character. He's so devastated that the queen is dead. It's just interesting <laughs> what like actors who, if they have done well or are going to do well in your mind or your expectations, are allowed to get away with. Just like punching things and Gene's like, okay, yeah, he's really there, man. As he goes to leave, Barry crosses the stage where he sees Sally, who thanks him for being such an excellent scene partner, informs him that she has now been contacted for a meet-up uh this week with the talent agent emma stone's previous talent agent and and that they're all going out for drinks after this and then this seems to lift barry's spirits a little and then sally says like the absolute in my opinion worst thing <laughs> yeah. she could say to barry here she's like whatever you did today to get your acting like this you got to do that every time which seems to set a Oof. light bulb off in barry's mind and i'm just thinking like oh Barry's going to be, like, irredeemably evil from now on. 
He's going to channel the emotions he gets from killing uh, innocent people to, like, putting on a shitty version of Our Town at a student theater. I, I don't think he is. I think he's still going to be <laughs> delusional enough, and Fuchs will talk, once he knows that Barry's alive, will get him to a place where he once again can live with himself, which... Mm-hmm. will further instill the moral code that is a moving target on a constant basis. And Barry won't do that. I, I think he will, he will continue to ride the line of this is okay in his own brain, except for the fact that, like, you know, th- that needle will spike every now and again of, like, oh, I just did another irredeemable thing. And then put that notch on the belt, on Satan's belt. Fuck. Sorry to take this to an extremely tangential reference, but uh, what this made me think of... I don't accept your goddamn apology. And, it, and it's a story that you know well as, as well. Oh, good. They're early into the run of the very excellent anime Death Note. Okay. The main character, Light, is, is a killer as well. But he rationalizes his killings in that, like, I only kill people convicted of violent crimes, right? And so even if you agree or disagree with that, you understand that, like, well, the argument can be made that he has some kind of code, some kind of morality that he's following, right? Yes, he writes in a book the names of people that he wants to die. If you write a name in the book, they have a heart attack, like, 60 seconds later. But I believe, you know, it's one of many stories where an absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, so there's a part, a few, ep- like, you know, uh, six or seven episodes in. You can think like, okay, well, there's two sides to this. We can agree with with Light's like uh, philosophy of if I kill all the violent people, it'll improve the world. Or maybe you disagree. You think that's wrong. A few episodes in, he finds out that like the FBI is on his tail and he concocts a scheme to basically kill every member of law enforcement involved in like the investigation into him. Yeah. And it's that it's at that point where I'm like, okay, well, there's no longer a debate anymore. He's just a bad guy. Yes. Like, doing bad things to serve his own interest. And that's how I feel about Barry now. Like, if he, as I said, if he is going to, like, use the emotions that he gets from killing people to put on, like, a stupid rendition of Waiting for Godot... He's just a, a maniac. He's just a community theater serial killer. Yes, he's the psycho that the class asserted that he must be... Or not really, but like, you know, he took from the conversation that they must think he's a psycho. If, you know, and they, Gene is like, no, you're only a psycho if you kill outside of war, which he does. And he is, by the way. And like, to the point of like, psycho is, uh, infers a level of eventual aggression. It's not even that. It's just like, he has such an ability to lie to himself on a constant basis that again, I, I don't think he's going to be rash all the time to specifically read Romeo's lines better. I, I just think he's going to take self-preservation to the very end, which I think I've said earlier in this podcast, uh, not this one particular, but like an episode in the past, so many of the people around him have to die eventually. Or he has to. The daydreams of his future that he has all the time, he had one in this episode of him doing his line well and but it, you know he couldn't think about it very much because you know he just murdered his friend like those daydreams are never ever gonna come true 
And I just wonder if Alec Berg and Bill Hader were thinking that when they wrote the pilot, where they're like, hey, if we have eight seasons of this, how in the shit is this going to end and be like, ha ha, that was funny, kind of. Like, I don't I don't think it's possible, which is, Chad asked the very pertinent question. I liked Chad last week and having him on for him to be like, you guys like this show? Number one, like, oof, okay. <laughs> that is some insight that I think is valuable. Number two, like, is this a comedy? Like, that is what I asked episode one, and I think we will have to ask at the end because Michael Schur, when he lost to Barry in the best comedy category and good, the good place lost to Barry, was he like, yeah, oh, last week when he killed his friend, that was so funny. God, this is such a funny comedy when he murdered his friend. I uh, this episode wasn't that funny. There, were, no, it was, <laughs> there not. was a, a few funny scenes in it, but mostly it was uh, tense and disturbing. Which is why every time <laughs> NoHo Hank comes on screen, I'm just so happy. Like I, ju- yeah, I just, I loosen up, my eyes relax. They, they, they widen. I'm not trying to like n- not look at the screen as much. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get a larf out of this before all the darkness comes back but yeah i'm going to watch the chris and barry scene on youtube in the future i just know it you know mm. i mean it's a great scene uh very shocking and and it's not even shocking in the way like where i couldn't see it coming as soon as barry started saying why did you say that i'm like oh no he's gonna kill chris yeah that guy's dead and it was it was a very a very expertly built up anxiety uh and suspense and uh, I feel very bad for Chris and his family. And I honestly, like, it is hard for me to now to empathize with Barry anymore because, like, he's not a normal person, dude. He's a fucking weirdo. Yeah. He's some kind of emotionless weirdo who has I... this, as you said, absolute delusion that he could be an actor. Yes. And he can't, man. He would be lucky to be able to function as a normal human being. Forget about being an actor. And I hope the show treats him that way, right? Mm-hmm. I just watched that movie on Netflix called I Care A Lot. I don't know. Have you heard about this movie? Uh, my brother recommended it to me. He said it was very good. I haven't watched it. Yes. So it stars Rosamund Pike and she's conning old people out of their money and out of their homes and putting them in assisted living facilities against their wills and basically becoming their legal guardian again against their will and their family's not allowed to see them etc etc and she does this you know she has like 20 old people that she's basically conning but it's like you know she has a business this is she does taxes and shit and it's all legal what she's doing but at the same time like there are people who like cannot see their mothers and fathers because of the con that she's pulling and they're obviously devastated by it so she is not set up to be like a good person that you're supposed to root for and then they offer up another villain played by Peter Dinklage who is then supposed to like replace her as the villain and the movie is desperately trying to get you to like this person who you just are never going to like and you're never going to root for but they're trying their best and you you get to the end of it and it's just like two bullies fighting each other that you don't care who wins I just hope they don't do something like that in Barry where they see him as something that he's not like they have to be sitting there and be like, okay, this dude's delusional and irredeemable. He can still be funny. People can still be funny around him, but we're not going to pretend that he's a fucking saint and we're not going to portray him like that. It would just feel so disingenuous. 
And I like that they're also not going to a place where they think they can still be a completely like screwball comedy after this. Like, not really. Not if we're meant to take any of this seriously at all. We would have to reckon with the fact that Barry's like kind of a monster. Yeah, the only comedic presence in the show. There's one character who you know is going to be funny when you see him. And even the things he says sometimes, like, I mean, to be fair, all the things he said this episode were funny. But, like, Gorin had a funny line this episode when he was just like, oh, we've made a huge mistake. He's very nice. Like, that is a whole was funny. But, yeah, I laughed for, like, you know, 10 seconds, and then it went back to where the lights were out, and I was like, okay, this is where we're living. We're in the ether now. Thank you to everyone for listening. It means a lot if you're just listening. If you want to go the extra mile, follow us on social media or leave us a positive review on a podcast app. If you really want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash HBO Boys. For a dollar more, you get bonus content, a patrons-only Discord chat, and Ryan shouts out the name your name at the end of each episode yeah the name and your name jamie lochner anthony wells harbaugh greg nicole day living podcast jade watch my dong atheism unstoppable brisk wood grant gin <laughs> i said those two names wrong and i apologize day 11 westfield craig john jurors major woody and carol andreas to be fair i'm usually like raft godding that shit so even when i say your name wrong and i do it slower i think it is it, it, it garners more value perhaps and for only one dollar a month i can screw your name up that i'm reading off of a page on the internet when you've given us money in the past you know something i should absolutely fix just based on the monetary value that you've bestowed upon us but i obviously have not and i've really drawn this amount out for no good reason uh, barry finale excited next week yeah next week barry finale uh i think chad and i are also going to do like an mcu thing just a little one next week as well and the week after that uh we're gonna have to make a plan to address the fucking Snyder Cut, uh, which is coming out, I think, at the end of next week. So, yep. yeah, the week after that, I'm sure we'll get to the Snyder Cut. And then also the week after that, uh, we'll have Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Two shows that I think are going to be pretty bad. Pretty, pretty bad. We're also about three weeks out from recording episode three, the finale of the Talkie Boys Radio Hour, which I'm super excited about. I've, yeah, it's been a long time coming, folks, but it's coming. Absolutely. Uh, I think Hunter Hunter is back this week. I believe I'm going to have some time at the end of the week to get into the second arc of Hunter Hunter, the arc everyone tells me is the bad one. So we'll see how that goes as well. Yeah. All right. <laughs>